With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, as always, to the best college football pick'em pod in the land. We're here for a week nine pick'em pod coming to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton and can be found at AD on the blackout. I am Thomas Black and can be found at TB on the blackout. Alan, welcome back in. How are you doing this week? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Licking my wounds a little bit after a five and five week. But uh, regardless, I'll take it and uh, move forward, man. It was an ugly week for both of us. You mentioned five and five for you. That was the slate against the spread over on CBS Sports and on the ESPN Confidence Pick'em. So without further ado, Alan, I think it's ready to dive in and look at a pretty ugly slate of picks. Yes, sir. Against the spread, as we've already documented, Alan went five and five on CBSSports.com. The wins were SMU plus two and a half, LSU plus half a point, Tulane minus six and a half as an ATS lock, Penn State minus four and a half, and TCU minus three and a half. The losses were Toledo minus seven and a half, Texas minus six and a half, BYU minus five and a half, UCF minus five and a half as an ATS lock, and UCLA plus six and a half. So, Alan, how are you feeling coming off of week eight? I'm feeling okay on the ATS side, right? Against the spreads can be a little bit tricky. For example, you know, I, I nailed the two-lane game, even though that kind of got weird and close at the very end, right? They get up 35 to nothing, I think it was. And then the entire second half was Memphis just slowly getting back, but they end up beating them by 10, locked that one in. But on the flip side, UCF totally no-showed, man. John Rice Plumley, I think, had three interceptions. That was just a horrendous game from UCF. ECU's defense did everything that I expected them not to be able to do, and they shut them down. And ECU's offense was able to move the ball with tremendous success. Most of their scoring drives were extended drives, 60, 70, 75-yard drives. That was just a pummeling. They straight up just beat them, and it was really, really impressive. Then you flip over with Toledo. We talked about the difficulty of having all these group of five games. There were a couple people that had Buffalo straight up in confidence. I was on the other side and had Toledo pretty high, kind of middle of the board type thing, but you know, high for a group of five type game for somebody that we've not seen. They got up really big, right? Both turnovers are a really big deal. They lost the turnover battle six to one. Hmm. Toledo had six freaking turnovers, and Buffalo turned that into 24 points in the fourth quarter, rushed back, and win the game outright, and obviously won against the spread as well. So just a crazy week against the spread, a lot of big swings, and hopefully we don't see a ton of 
group of five stuff moving forward. And I'm with you on that Toledo game. I had the Rockets minus seven and a half points as well. That's a really tough one to take because they got up early. They led by 10 consistently. It felt like through a lot of that game. And it felt like we were just kind of on cruise control to a win against the spread. And then it just got sucked right out of there as the game went on. Yeah. Like you're just watching it. I mean, nobody could watch it because nobody has, like, I'm not paying for ESPN plus. It's crazy. But <laughs> that's one of those things, bro, where I'm scrolling and keeping up with it on my phone. And I'm seeing that this game is getting closer and closer and closer. And then it gets knotted up. And then, Buffalo just keeps on trucking, man. And they don't even need Lance Leipold to have a good team. And I was surprised because the Rockets, you know, they were going to be the class of the Mac. Definitely could have been in a disappointing loss. But, Alan, the one-in-one week in your ATS locks was pretty solid. It brings you to nine and seven on locks throughout the season, just hitting at over 56%. That's a very good mark for what we're trying to do here. You are in a tie for 19th overall, though, with a 36-43 and record, hitting at over 45% of your picks overall ATS. Alan, the thing is there, that doesn't look so great percentage-wise, but you're doing what you should in your lock. So congrats on that. You are nine games off the lead. So with less than half the season to go, what's your strategy as we move forward against the spread? Treat every game like it has to be an ATS lock, evidently. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) That's got to be my strategy from here on out. I'm just going to have to start giving all my picks on the show so that way the heightened sense... Um, really locks me in. <laughs> I like it, Alan. In week eight, I had a more difficult week against the spread than Alan did. I went four and six in my picks. The wins were SMU plus two and a half, LSU plus half a point, Tulane minus six and a half, and Penn State minus four and a half. The losses were Toledo minus seven and a half, Texas minus six and a half as an ATS lock, BYU minus five and a half, UCF minus five and a half, and Kansas State plus three and a half as an ATS lock. And, oh, I forgot, UCLA plus six and a half as well. So, Alan, it was a rough week for me, especially in my ATS locks. The big one that I gave was Texas minus six and a half. And this one wasn't looking comfortable for most of the game, but I did look like I was in control of it for most of the game. I felt like this team had a good shot of going and winning this game against Oklahoma State. And for a lot of the game, they were up, and it felt pretty solid to me. But Quinn Ewers really played a terrible game, something that I didn't think was going to happen against Oklahoma State's defense. And then it came back around, just not enough points in the second half, and Oklahoma State's able to hang around and tie up the game and ultimately come away with the win. That game made no sense whatsoever. Quinn Ewers just, like, stroked out, bro. What in the heck? It came to a point where he just forgot how to play football against a defense that has been horrendous all year. And I keep using that word, but my God, they've been so bad. One of the worst, if not the worst against the pass in the power five. And yet suddenly they were able to stop Sark and company. Give me a break. He's got to get it going. It's pathetic. Very, very confusing. Alan, the other lock that I had was troublesome as well. Kansas State, this is the one that was even more troubling to me than Texas because K-State jumped out to that 28-10 to 10 lead. I had them plus three and a half points. It's looking beautiful. But in the process, think about this. They got an 18-point lead, and during that whole process, they lost two quarterbacks to injury, they had two turnovers, and they had two missed field goals. So 
I feel like this one was absolutely robbed from me. Give credit to TCU. They did come back. They won the game, but it ended up being against a third-string quarterback and an offense that was doing nothing late in the second half after they erupted early and did great things against that Horned Frogs defense like I thought they might. This one really feels like I was on the absolute right side of it, and it just got pulled away from me because of injuries and some miscues by the Wildcat offense. Oh my gosh. It was one of those weird things where, you know, Adrian Martinez gets hurt right out the gate and I did not see the passing barrage coming. We even titled last week's episode that they can't throw the dang football. (laughs) And what did they do in the first half? They tossed that tater around like it was a steakhouse or something. It was just unbelievable how they threw the ball around the yard But in that second half, you could just see TCU climbing back into it. That was a tough one for you to take the L on. Definitely. Will Howard did come in off the bench, and he was admirable in his effort, tossing the tater around, as you said. It's just when he went down, that offense went out the door, and it wasn't much of holding TCU back at that point. Yeah, at that point, it felt like, okay, this thing's over. And they did it. They just kept pressing. With my second consecutive 0-2 week in ATS locks, though I feel like I should have been 1-1 at the least, I'm now 6-10 on the season. It's been ugly. Now under 40% at 37.5% on the season in my ATS locks, so I have got to get that fixed. I am in a tie for sixth overall at 40-39. and So think about that, Alan. I've got this thing backwards. I'm over 50% on all the picks that I have not given on the show. I'm under 40% on my ATS locks. I've got to get that fixed as we go forward, but I am going to intend to do so. I'm five games off the lead, so I am in contention for those top prizes, but I do have to fix those ATS locks as we go forward. Hey, you got time, man. Listen, you're holding your best stuff back. You got to start giving us just a little bit more. (laughs) I hope that is what happens in the weeks ahead. Alan, our ATS locks overall with a one in three week, we bring ourselves to 15 and 15 on the year. Now, our percentage and our record overall is a little bit under 50%, but this is again where we've had a couple of ATS lock parties that have gone south. And so you take out a couple of those losses because you as a listener, if you take our advice on an ATS lock party, then it's only one loss. It's not two on your own board. So we're 15 and 15 on the year. That's 50%. That's doing okay. But we were over 50% for a good while. We want to get back there. Right now, if you took that percentage that we've given you in our 30 picks that we've given out, you would land yourself at an eighth place finish right now in the standings currently for that percentage. That's because there are not even 10 people in the ATS Pick'em hitting at a 50% clip. So our baseline is still pretty good, though it's faltered a little bit in the last couple of weeks. And Alan, everybody's looking up at the top of the leaderboard at Alex and Russell, who are tied for first place, who are 45 and 34 in their picks. Alex right now would take home that top prize if we were going according to the tiebreakers weekly, because he was just two points under our total score tiebreaker last week versus Russell being 10 points under the total. So we've got some great competition at the top. Our ATS locks have been pretty good. They need to improve a little bit more, but we're still setting people up to be in that top 10 in contention as we move deeper into the second half of the season. Yeah, you just got to tip your cap to those guys. Just really, really putting on a show. But we're hanging in there, and we'll see what happens We're giving you enough picks to help you stay in contention. We got to hit those winning picks, and we've done it at a reasonable rate. We'll see if we can get it back over 50% for everybody going forward. 
Alan, over on the Confidence Pick'em on ESPN.com, your week eight, you've already alluded to it. You went five and five, picking up 27 points. The wins were Penn State at a nine, Tulane at an eight, TCU at a five as a confidence value pick, Oregon at a three, and LSU at a two. The losses were UCF at a 10, Texas at a seven, BYU at a six, Toledo at a four, and SMU at a one as a confidence value pick. So what are your thoughts on the board, on the confidence side, opposed to the ATS? Whew. Nailed that Penn State game, by far and away the better team. Had them at a nine, and so that felt pretty good. Missed several in kind of that middle ground of the board. But one that I missed on at the very bottom of my board was the Cincy SMU game. That was one that on the bonus pod last week I talked about that I was going to pick SMU. And obviously I picked them against the spread too. This game all along was just an odd type of game. The win played a huge factor. Tanner Mordecai, the SMU starting quarterback, ended up having to come out of the game and their backup just felt like he was just randomly throwing stuff around, but it was kind of working. They kind of come back and pull it within two with an opportunity to tie the game, ultimately fall a little bit short, just a little bit flat, but even though I missed on the one pick on the confidence side, I hit on the ATS side, which I thought was pretty good and indicative of how close this game was. Even though when you look at it, there was a lot of people that had Cincy way, 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 way up the board, like at a 10 kind of way up the board. And I don't think this game deserved to be at that. Definitely not. And this is one that you and I texted back and forth a little bit about. This was a really fluky start with SMU falling in a 17-0 hole with a turnover early, a field goal on a short field, a really kind of clunky drive by Cincinnati resulting in a touchdown, and then a long run that gave them the big lead early. But SMU, largely for the second half of the game, was the better team in this one and really fit our narrative of what we talked about. But I'll give you credit where you played a confidence value pick on SMU at a one value. It comes back and bites you a little bit there. But when it translates to the ATS side as SMU plus the points, you and I were on SMU plus the points. And Alan, if you review the picks and the ATS pick them over on CBS Sports, you and I were the only ones on SMU. Not a single other person took the Mustangs plus the points. It was all Cincinnati minus. So you and I got a win there. Everybody else took the loss. That was a great way to start off the board on Saturday. Just unfortunately, it didn't translate to the rest of the Pick'em slate. It would have been a huge deal. The confidence side, if SMU would have won that game, it would have been a major shakeup of the day because people had it all over the place. And so, man, holy cow, even though it was a nooner, I was rooting hard for it. Definitely a big swing game and one to pay attention to. And this is one that people need to pay attention to. I think there's a lot of people who play this contest that when they collect their eight or nine or 10 points on Cincinnati, they go, man, I had that one right because Cincinnati won the game. But if you're evaluating how that game played out and the fact that outside of the fluky start, SMU really ground away at that lead, man, it really does feel like this should have been a very, very low value pick on either side. Yeah, 100%. Alan, you're now 53 and 26 in your picks over on the confidence side this season. You have 306 points sitting at 92.6 in the percentile. You're in a tie for 12th, 17 points off the lead. So how are you feeling as we 
get into a spot where uh, some groundwork needs to be laid to be able to come back as we're getting into the latter half of the season and definitely a deficit to make up on the pick on board over on ESPN. I'm feeling great about the place that I'm in, the percentage that I'm in. It's just one of those things where you look at that 17 points and that's rough. That feels like a pretty sizable gap. It's nothing that can't be made up. But you would think with the place that I am on the board, that it would be a little bit closer. But kudos to the guy on top. I actually think he was somebody that actually had Cincinnati at a 10. So things would have been really, really different. <laughs> things can change very, very quickly. For me, I'm 5-5 five and five on the confidence pick in week 8. I had 24 points. It was ugly. My wins were Tulane at an eight, Penn State at a six, LSU at a five, Oregon at a three as a confidence value pick, TCU at a two, and the losses were Texas at a 10 as a confidence value play, Toledo at a nine, UCF at a seven, BYU at a four, and SMU at a one. Alan, the ones I'd really highlight here is I took LSU in really our lowest spread of the week. I liked the Tigers on their home field against an Ole Miss team that I really just didn't think had really played all that much quality football throughout the season. I did make a confidence value play on the Oregon Ducks, taking them down in value. Turns out you probably could have propped Oregon up a little bit, but some weird things happened in this game. You know, statistically, both these teams with Oregon and UCLA played pretty evenly, but the guts that the Ducks had early on to steal a possession, kicking an onside kick, that got them up early, and there was really no looking back at that point. But otherwise, this was a very competitive, very close game that could have played out very close had they just kicked the ball off there. So I still don't feel that bad about where I played it, even though Oregon convincingly won the game. And of course, BYU got blown out. I had them much lower in value, though, than a lot of people. So taking the Cougars out of four didn't feel good when Liberty's destroying them. But at the same (laughs) time, I really benefited than the fact that I did not have BYU much higher in value like some others. Including myself. I had them at a six. And I'm just sitting there like, what the freaking heck is happening, bro? BYU, it was like they had to bike to Liberty instead of taking a plane. And they were just exhausted. That defense was just terrible on all facets and Jaron Hall and company didn't play particularly well. And kudos to the people that had that flipped, you know, there were people that had Liberty in our group mm-hmm. and that was a heck of a play. That was one that I really didn't see coming. Yeah, I considered it. I thought about it a lot of different times throughout the week. I just could never pull the trigger on going over to the flames, but I was confident enough to move BYU down in value again Sometimes those plays will backfire on you. You know, when you lower a team in value like I did with Oregon, and there were some other people who had Oregon at a six or an eight. But in this sense, it really did play to my benefit when BYU takes the loss, taking that upset on the road. 100%. I mean, Hugh Freeze is a heck of a coach because they're on their third string quarterback. And that was the main reason I pushed BYU up the board. Caden Salter didn't play. Charlie Brewer was supposed to be their starting quarterback coming into the year, and he didn't play either. So they thrashed them with a third-string quarterback. To me, that is astounding. Definitely an indictment on this BYU team and where they find themselves after looking pretty good early this year. Now on the season, I am 52-27 and in my picks over on the confidence side. I have 298 points, sitting at 86.9 in the percentile rank, And in 15th place overall in our group, 25 points off the lead. So I'm feeling just like you, Alan. 
That size of a deficit that I'm sitting at really doesn't feel all that good. 15th place isn't terrible, especially considering that eight-point pick that I had on NC State. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, cough, cough, (laughs) (laughs) earlier in the year. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't feel terrible about being in 15th. I certainly wish I was higher, but I've had a couple of questionable rough weeks type of things the last couple of weeks, and I think it's fully understandable. We've had a bunch of games that have been single-digit spreads, and some people are going to be fortunate and end up with some really good pick weeks, and there's going to be others of us that, you know, you may hit in one and be pretty bad in another. That's kind of where I was this week after a pretty solid week a week ago. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, as we move into this week, we can take a refresh and uh, move forward a little bit. You mentioned the guy at the top of the leaderboard already. His name is Tim. He is 54 and 25 in his picks this season. He has 323 points and sits in the 99th percentile. And Alan, he has a seven point lead after eight weeks. Think about that. Over second place, he's been averaging almost one full point gained per week on second place throughout the entire season. So he is on a hot streak way up there at the top of the leaderboard, and it'll be interesting to see how he either defends that lead or is tracked down in the weeks to come. Yeah, it's not a fluke at all, right? You win 54 games, that puts you at or near the top in just pure picks, right? Getting them right versus in losses. In that regard, where he's at is not necessarily fluky. But the fact that he is seven full points above everyone else is quite remarkable. Definitely it is. Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and switch things over to our picks for this coming week in week nine. Let's jump in. All right. We do have some funky things to address in this week's Pick'em Slate. Of course, you may already know this, but ESPN... We follow their picks over on the Confidence Pick'em, and we've tried each and every week to have the exact same set of picks over in the ATS Pick'em. This week, we have deviated just a little bit. That's because ESPN decided to go to Jackson State for game day. Not only did they do that, but they included Jackson State and Southern in our Pick'em. So an FCS game, an HBCU classic type of game that is not a normal Pick'em game that we have. So because of the way the FCS slate works, they don't put out their spreads until very, very late in the week. So we don't have an active spread on that game. We don't have one for the ATS Pick'em. So if we were going to include that game in our ATS Pick'em over on CBS Sports, it was going to be a no spread game, aka just pick a side. And we didn't want that to be the exact same thing as was going on over on the Confidence Pick'em. So Alan and I thought we would switch things up just a little bit. And what we've done is we have Jackson State Southern in the Confidence Pick'em. We took it out on the ATS side over on CBS Sports. And because ESPN even did the weird thing of taking our tiebreaker score this week from Michigan, Michigan State, which is not even in the Pick'em slate, we decided to add that game over on the ATS Pick'em. That way we still have 10 games. That way you're at least picking that game somewhere. So we do have Michigan, Michigan State in the ATS Pick'em. We do have Jackson State Southern in the Confidence Pick'em. Otherwise, our pick'em boards match exactly. So, Alan, let's get it started. You did better in our picks last week, so why don't you start us off in the ATS Pick'em over on CBS Sports? Well, let's start with the fluke game. I love, 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 love Michigan at the 21 and a half. Even though it's a high, I mean, you're looking at more than three touchdowns. I think that's fairly low for this game. Because Michigan is significantly better than Michigan State. And this game can have some fluky stuff, right? This is the game where 
Michigan State wins on a punt that goes awry that's blocked, and then you know the guy flips into the end zone and like breaks his leg while he does it. That was one of the craziest endings to a game I've ever seen, but that's not happening this year, my friend. Michigan, this team can run the ball. J.J. McCarthy and company can throw the ball. This is the Michigan State defense that consistently just loves to give out points as if they're handing out Halloween candy. And it's a team in Michigan that can play some really good defense and get after Peyton Thorne and company. I'm taking Michigan to cover that 21.5 point spread. I like it. I uh, honestly have not looked at this matchup an awful lot because I was so busy this week trying to figure out what we were going to do on our pick'em slate with that Jackson State matchup versus Southern. I was trying to figure out what the things were going to look like on CBS. I was texting you back and forth. I was trying to figure out if there were changes going on over on ESPN in midday as I was looking at the slate yesterday. So I honestly haven't looked at this matchup an awful lot, but my gut feel was the exact same thing. And as I'm looking at it at this moment, Michigan has a really good defense. Michigan State has a really bad defense. The bright spot for Michigan State that we saw a year ago with what they had in their offense with a great ground game with Kenneth Walker and company, all that has kind of disappeared. They're a really bad offense apart from some decent passing game, but they're going up against such a good Michigan team defensively that I don't think they're going to have a lot of success. The fact that it's in Ann Arbor, I think it's a big deal. The fact that Michigan has one of the best rushing attacks in the country that we've seen going back to when they played Penn State, and I was on Penn State plus the points, and that really backfired. We've seen that this Michigan team is very, very good. Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy, I think should have a field day against this Michigan State defense. I agree with you. I like Michigan minus the 21 and a half. Yeah, when you look at previous games, Ohio State beat Michigan State by 29, and that was at Michigan State. So they're going into the big house, unless they end up sleepwalk into this one. And I don't think that will happen because Michigan wants to make sure that Michigan State feels like little brother. I see this one as being a pretty nice little lock. I like it, Alan. For my first ATS lock over on CBSSports.com, I'm headed to the SEC, and I'm looking at the Missouri Tigers on the road at the South Carolina Gamecocks, where, man, we have South Carolina on a bit of a hot streak. They've won four straight games. They're ranked inside the top 25. They've got things moving in a positive direction. But, Alan, I do have questions about how they've arrived, where they are. You see, in their four-game win streak, they have a win against Charlotte, who just fired their head coach, Will Healy. They have a win against South Carolina State by 40 points. Who cares? They have a win at Kentucky when Will Levis was out and their offense was a complete mess. So I don't really know what to put into that one. And recently, they have a win over Texas A&M, probably the most impressive win of the bunch. But in this game, Allen, where they won 30-24, to South Carolina was outgained by over 100 yards, and they really benefited just like Cincinnati did last week from a really fast 17 to nothing lead. Get this, they were up 17 to nothing five minutes into the game, but that was off a kickoff return for a touchdown then an interception from Texas A&M where the Gamecocks had four plays and zero yards for a field goal, a free 
three points to go up 10-0, and then another four-play 19-yard drive for a touchdown off of a fumble that set them up again 17 to nothing just five minutes into the game. But after that, they were just hanging on for dear life to win this game against Texas A&M. So sure, they're ranked inside the top 25. Sure, they've won four straight games, but they're going up against a Missouri team that has been pretty tough. And I think pretty impressive from what we got to know Missouri as last year. I think this defense is pretty good. They've stayed competitive against better teams. They went on the road to Auburn and really just gave that game away late where they missed a field goal on the last play of regulation. Then they went into overtime and dropped the ball literally on the goal line going into the end zone for what would have been a win. They led Georgia for a long time on their home field before losing, even though they were outperformed pretty sizably in that game. That's not a surprise. Georgia's the better team. But the fact that they held a lead for a lot of that game, I think is pretty impressive. And then just recently, they lost a game at Florida where they outgained the Gators. So, Alan, I think that you're looking at a spot where I think you're looking at two teams that are going to have a low-scoring ugly football game. I think both of these head coaches, Eli Drinkwitz for Missouri and Shane Beamer for South Carolina, are going to be looking at their teams, trying not to make mistakes with interception-prone quarterbacks. To me, I think this one has 20-17, to 24-20, to 17-13 written all over it. And if you're telling me that I can catch four and a half points with Missouri on the road where they've played tough against about every single team they've played this year... I like the Tigers plus four and a half points. You can lock it up over on CBS Sports. All right. Look at that. I'm going to hit on this game, but I'm going to hit on it in the next episode. And so uh, I'll save my thoughts for that one if you don't mind. That is fair enough. I'm intrigued to know what is going to be said. So, Alan, before we can touch on that, like you said, you've got to touch on it in the next episode. So why don't you take us into a confidence pick over on ESPN.com? Okay, so last week, both of these teams brought you great, great angst, my friend. Great (laughs) weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we're going into the Big 12 for this one with Oklahoma State against Kansas State. Again, this was a game last week that was crazy, right? So Kansas State is hosting Oklahoma State. They're currently one-and-a-half-point favorites. That would put them as a two or a three on your board, depending on where you have that Jackson State Southern game. But who's going to play quarterback for them? That's a pretty big decision. It feels like Adrian Martinez is expected to be a game-time decision for this matchup. He had a severely bruised knee after last week. If backup Will Howard plays again, he played well against TCU on the road. But will he be able to take that into a new week? I don't know that question. Here's something I found in doing research. Under Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State as road dogs have been pretty good. Since 2016, he's 6-7 and straight up on the road as dogs. 4-5 and since 2018 and 3-3 since 2020. I'm flipping this thing. I'm going with the road dog and the Cowboys will take care of business, and I'm going to flip it and have it in that two or three range. All right. I like where your head's at, but, Alan, I'm on the other side. (laughs) I think I'm looking at Kansas State. I'm going to go with value the other way. This is one that 
I like Kansas State's defense, just like we talked about a week ago. If you go back to Mike Gundy's presser at the beginning of this week on Monday, he talked about, hey, I called up Kansas State. Adrian Martinez is playing this week. You know, a little bit of sarcasm. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's talking about, he's like, man, I've been around this game forever. You know, I know indications of when guys are going to play and when they're not. He's like, he got out there and played against TCU. Sure, he left early in that game. He just wasn't feeling right. But I've heard a lot of speculation that Adrian Martinez injured himself in the week leading up to the game. They thought that maybe they'd give it a shot. And there's been a lot of speculation, man, did he even really look that hurt on the sideline? To me, he didn't. So no. my, my guess is he will play this coming week. Does he last the whole game? I don't really know. But even if he doesn't, Will Howard, like you mentioned, was really good last week for most of the game that he was in. So I'm going to stick with Kansas State. The fact that they're a small favorite at home, I think is okay with me. The fact that I think Adrian Martinez is going to be healthy enough to play, I think they could have some success against this Oklahoma State defense. But Oklahoma State, man, they've been surviving again and again. I think it has to end at some point. I hope it's this week, but I'm going to be on the Wildcats on my end. I think I'm going to take Kansas State probably at about a four this week. But it should be an interesting game. And if we got some negative news, say, about Adrian Martinez, that's something that I will watch closely in the week. I wouldn't anticipate we're going to hear that. But if some negative news comes, I think I would probably flip back to the other side. But my guess is Martinez plays, and he has a big impact on this game. So I like uh, Kansas State in this spot to win on their home field after a, a disappointing loss, after some injuries, turnovers, and that type of thing that really soured a potential win last week against TCU on the road. I wish that Gundy just didn't always find a way to win big games when you don't feel like you should. I feel like he's done that a couple of times already this year, and I'm not going against him again. Spencer Sanders, I think, will find a way to do enough, and I don't feel as if Kansas State's strength on offense matches up with where Oklahoma State is weak. And I was with you on Texas. I had Texas, I think, maybe a seven. And everything about that last week looked like Texas should have blown them away. Their starting defensive tackle decides to sit out for the rest of the year. Like three or four other dudes are out. I'm like, oh, Texas is going to roll in there. And Oklahoma State showed up and fought. That program just finds a way to win. So I'm not going to go against them again. All right, fair enough. Alan, over on the confidence value picks, I am going to go to the same matchup I did before. So you may not have a lot to say about this game, but I'm going to add just a little bit to what I talked about before. Now, I talked about an ugly, low-scoring game that I anticipate to see between the two Columbia schools from Missouri and South Carolina, this one happening in the state of South Carolina. But Alan, these quarterbacks have been atrocious. Spencer Rattler on the season for the Gamecocks has thrown five touchdowns and eight interceptions. Over on the other side, Brady Cook for the Tigers has thrown six touchdowns and seven interceptions. It's been hideous, but this Missouri defense has been pretty good, like I talked about before. The South Carolina run defense has not been very good at all, and not that Missouri has a great running attack, but Nathaniel Pete has been decent. My guess is that the Tigers feed him the ball a lot, see if they can get some success against the South Carolina defense. And worst case scenario, South Carolina loads up the box and gives Brady Cook the opportunity to pass the ball one-on-one against their defenders. I like Missouri's chance to have a decent day offensively in this game. And if that means that I'm already on Missouri plus four and a half points, 
Allen, because these quarterbacks are so volatile, because they're both turnover prone, I don't feel a lot of confidence in actually picking the upset with Missouri. But what I can tell you is right now on our ESPN confidence board, we see South Carolina as a four-point favorite. Now, if you were to follow the spread, you would put the Gamecocks at either a five or a six this week. But Alan, they're in the middle of the board. I do not have confidence like that in South Carolina. So I am going to be dropping them in value. I am going to stay on them, though I think the upset is possible. I'm going to take South Carolina at about a two this week. I think that offers the chance for a lot of value because right now what we look at is 96% of people being on the Gamecocks. Alan, we talk about this time and time again. South South Carolina has the better record. They're coming off a win against Texas A&M. They're ranked inside the top 25. All of those things do not apply to Missouri. So I think we're going to see the Gamecocks picked at those fives and sixes, maybe some sevens. I don't know that it'll trickle a whole lot higher than that, but I think this is a good value play setting up for a potential loss, one that I'll be pulling for in the upset going for Missouri and hoping that I only sacrifice a couple of points while a lot of people will lose a mid-level pick or even higher. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, I look forward to sharing my thoughts with all the people that throw a little change in the bucket online with our Patreon account. So that's going to be fun. I love it. You can throw your change in the bucket if you would like some more comments on the South Carolina-Missouri matchup. Alan, you got any other tidbits as to where you're going with another pick over on the bonus pick and pod? Pac-12 after dark, my man. It's a really interesting game that I think has the makings of what could be a fun little matchup. Very cool. And I'm going to be hitting more SEC flair, and I'm also going to go with a little ACC action. So there's a lot to look at as we go over to that bonus pick and pod. If you want access to that episode, all you have to do is become a team member at the walk-on level or higher. That's at least $2.50 a month as you go throughout the season. And that can be a way to get access to some more thoughts on some of these matchups. And at the same time, you can increase the pot for the prizes going forward into future seasons of more contests with the blackout. Lots of things to come. Alan, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to your picks over on the bonus pick and pod accessible through Patreon. That's right. See you on the other side, brother. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.